0: and she immediately gets uh, an internship at Bellevue Hospital in New York in 1945.
1: Wow, that's early.
0: Yeah, it's kind of incredible that her parents were so uh, encouraging. At that time, there'd be a lot of people who'd be like, you don't need to become a doctor, you you could marry a doctor. (music) The thing to know about cancer research at this time is that they know that chemotherapy is a thing. Like chemotherapy exists, but no one's really tested it. The delivery system isn't really there. It's like
2: Wild West chemo right now.
0: Totally, we're in Wild West chemo zone. In 1967, the news reports her as the highest ranked black physician at a prominent medical college and definitely the highest ranked black woman physician.
2: Hell yeah!
0: You guys, welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about extraordinary and amazing women. I'm Sam Eggers.
2: I'm Sarah Gorski.
1: and I'm Justin Xavier.
0: And I'm so excited to talk to you guys today about Dr. Jane Cook Wright. Have you guys heard of her?
2: No. No.
0: I had Who is not she? either until today. So, I stumbled across, you know like when you're doing your research and you're googling like everything under the sun, you're like you're like awesome women who killed their husbands and then like cured polio or whatever you're you're just like googling everything and
1: is that how you do your searches that's the first that's
0: where i start sam
2: is this indicative of how things are going in quarantine with you and your husband (laughs) (laughs) what does your search history say right
1: now How to get away with murder while on exactly. quarantine. What? That, that's not me. Which is what?
0: Which is hilarious because you two know my husband and our dear listeners do not. And he's like the, like the sweetest person in the world. No one would ever. He's like the least likely person to be murdered because he's so nice. Yes. Like people would murder me, but they wouldn't murder him. I don't know. I think, I think that
2: anything can happen in quarantine is what I think.
0: That's true. People lose their minds. <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing okay over here. And, that's good. Um, <laughs> but I stumbled across this article where it was something like they found amazing women, contemporary women, living women, and they were like, who are the women in history that you think people don't know about? And oh. um, Dr. Jane Cook-Wright was someone that was mentioned in this article. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to take a look at her. And so I'm going to just dive into her and start talking to you guys about Dr. Jane Cook-Wright so you can, uh, right. we can learn a little bit about her. Let's get to, yeah. So this and just to give you a, war, a fair warning here when you hear about her life you're going to be like I'm a, I am don't do anything and I'm a piece of shit and I'm not accomplished because she's done ever, she's just like she's one of those people who just like never just stopped like, she's incredible she didn't stop did one thing after another these
2: are my least favorite broads that make me feel like i am been with my life I know. and then I'm a huge loser and I should just go home and move back in with my parents
0: yes exactly So Dr. Jane Cook-Wright, she's born November 20th, 1919 in Manhattan, New York. And uh, her mom's a public school teacher. Her name's Corinne Cook, and her dad is a doctor, and his name is Louis T. Wright. And she, from the get-go, is born into this crazy high-achieving family. So her dad, Louis T. Wright, he is one of the first black graduates from Harvard Medical School. So already she's got, like, there's a lot to live up to. And not only is does he have this really incredible story, but his stepfather was William Fletcher Penn, and he was the first black graduate from Yale Medical College. So just Whoa. like all these overachievers down the family line. Yeah. And so... She's really, she's incredibly bright. She's really smart from the get go and really studious. She attends um, this uh, sort of like this Ivy League girls prep school in Manhattan as she's growing up. And um, so for college, she goes to Smith. But when she gets there, she wants to study art. She's really into art and loves it. And her dad's like, "Mm, but you should probably do pre med. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't all of our
2: parents say that to us?
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You want to major
2: in what? Exactly. What?
0: <laughs> hmm, I have a better idea. <laughs> um, and so, unlike us, she actually listens to her her parents. <laughs>
1: I listened for a while, and then I just switched majors when I got bored.
0: <laughs> did you really? Yeah. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, I was business for a couple of years, and then I was like, "I'm not gonna do this," and I went to creative writing. But anyway, back to your bra. <gasps> Good for you.
0: <laughs> glad you made the change. Um, and so, uh, so she ends up graduating from Smith and she does, she gets her, she studies her pre-med and she gets a full scholarship, uh, to study at New York Medical College. And when she gets there, she's instantly an amazing student. She graduates in this accelerated three-year program at the top of her class. She's just like, she's like, I'm getting in, I'm getting out. She knows what she's doing. And she immediately gets uh, an internship at Bellevue Hospital in New York in 1945. Um, so what i keep thinking about is i'm like this is that's early yeah it's 1945 and just it's kind of incredible that her parents were so uh, encouraging for her to be like you need no you should become a doctor i think that at that time there would be a lot of people who'd be like you don't need to become a doctor you do, you could marry a doctor you know right right, right. like <laughs> it's,
2: oh no how many women have heard that in
0: the world right so it's really many many billions too many uh, so she's she's graduated medical school and she uh, marries uh, a gentleman named David Jones. He's an attorney, and um, she then goes on to complete her surgical residency at Harlem Hospital. And Harlem Hospital is where her father works, and he does research there in the Harlem Hospital Cancer Research Center. And um, the thing to know about cancer research at this time is that they know that chemotherapy is a thing. Like chemotherapy exists but it's, it's like a death sentence. It's the thing they do, maybe they can do at the very end. Like it's really, um, it's almost like hypothetical at this point, like they know it can kind of work but no one's really tested it. The delivery system isn't really there. So no one has done the work yet to really find out how can we use chemotherapy to actually heal people instead of just, you know, like kill the cancer and kill them. It's
2: like Wild West chemo right now.
0: Totally, we're <laughs> in Wild West chemo zone, okay? <laughs> Um, so, uh, her father is at the Harlem Hospital Cancer Research Center. And so she joins him there and, uh, to begin doing research. Um, and unfortunately he doesn't live very long after, uh, after she joins him there. He dies in 1952. And at this point he's the director. And when he dies, she succeeds him and she becomes director of the Cancer Research Center in 1952. This is a black female doctor.
2: And how old is she at that point?
0: Um, At this point, she's only, she's 33. Wow.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: I know. it. like.
2: She's the director and she's 33. Yeah, exactly. I should call my parents right now and book my ticket.
0: Overachiever. (laughs) (laughs) If we all start studying for the MCATs, we're like, well, guess I know what we're doing in quarantine. So, uh, in 1955, she also accepts uh, a research appointment at NYU as associate professor of surgical research and director of cancer research. And, like, when I wrote my notes after I said that, I typed, What has anyone seen Mrs. Maisel? All I can think about is, like, you know, I just know the TV show, Wonderful.
2: Yeah. I, love
1: Mrs. Maisel. I love
2: Mrs. Maisel.
1: Yeah, it's amazing.
0: And I think they do a great job of showing all the little, like, slight indignities that women suffer when they're trying to sort of step outside of the home and I just think about Mrs. Maisel just trying to like be a comic and then this woman is busy like studying cancer and be like heading up research departments it just it blows my mind
1: she had to face a lot of pushback from the powers that be it
0: must have been horrible um She,
1: she must have been like just completely undeniable to get there at that time with those people just undeniably the best
0: yeah her 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 intelligence and her skill must have been like people just want to get the fuck out of the way you know
1: right Um, i'm just gonna not talk i can't argue with anything you're saying yeah i'm scared (laughs) i'm I'm kind of scared of you too
0: and so (laughs) in 1951 which is this is just before her father passes um uh with the help of her team so you know because like with the research it's not like just one person it's you know there's many people who are contributing um she's the first to identify what's called methotrexate and this is one of the foundational chemotherapy drugs um, as an effective tool against cancerous tumors and this becomes the stepping stone for all combination therapy that we have today so this is a huge breakthrough in discovering she actually figures out okay this is actually a chemotherapy drug and i can actually it's actually effective against killing specific tumors wow and so and in her, the course of her research, she later pioneers working with various chemo, what are called chemotherapeutics, so multiple drugs, um, dosage variations. She works on minimizing side effects. She's successful in identifying treatments for breast and skin cancer. Um, she developed a chemotherapy protocol that increased skin, skin cancer patient lifespans up to 10 years. And she also is able to develop a non-surgical method of giving um, chemotherapy, which is using a catheter system, to tumors that are deep in the body, like in the liver and the spleen. And she publishes more than 100 papers on cancer chemotherapeutics.
2: Whoa.
0: And so it's just crazy. and you think this is in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, like it's just blows my mind. In 1964, um, she is the only woman among seven physicians and who are the founders of the American Society of Clinical Oncology. Ha huh. In 1971, she is the first woman who's elected president of the New York Cancer Society.
2: So she's the first woman and then also the first black woman, right?
0: Yes, and actually in 1967 she's uh, they say at this time the news reports her as the highest ranked black physician at a prominent medical college and definitely the highest ranked, black woman physician
2: hell yeah
0: she's just like and then president johnson uh her to the national cancer advisory board and the president's commission on heart disease cancer and stroke like she the the amount of work that she does is just crazy she's on leading boards she uh, and in all of this she somehow finds time to also have two children which is oh my god i, I don't <laughs> i don't know when that happened
1: She doesn't either. She doesn't remember. No,
0: no, of course (laughs) not. She's very busy. Um, So they would interview her, and she said that she was always aware that as a black woman, she was an unusual presence in medical institutions. And uh, when they interviewed her in the New York Post in 1967, this is what she said. And I just, I don't believe it. This is what she says. I know I'm a member of two minority groups but I don't think of myself that way. Sure, a woman has to try twice as hard, but racial prejudice, I've met very little of it. And then she says, it could be I met it and wasn't intelligent enough to recognize it. Which I feel like...
1: It's a big thing to admit.
0: I'm wondering if that's her going, I wouldn't let myself acknowledge it. Or like, cause you know she, she met it and maybe this is her yeah. not wanting to admit it. But I thought that was such a, a strange quote. That's I was really very surprised.
1: Well, I mean, honestly, that's something Jupiter's kind of going through right now Mm. is having been raised by her white mother, mostly. Like, she grew up feeling like, I've never experienced prejudice. Mm. And then just in the last few months, she's like, as things have been made more aware to her, she's sort of realizing and recognizing, oh, actually, I was being, I was facing prejudice my entire life, and I just never saw it as that. Right. And now I'm feeling the feelings of it now and it's just like all of it is compounded into this tiny little space and it's just incredibly overwhelming.
0: That's yeah. really interesting. Cause yeah, I wonder if that's how, I wonder if that's sort of what, what this woman is talking about. Like, cause obviously if she grew up in this rich, she obviously grew up in a privileged household going to like private Mm -hmm. schools in Manhattan. So she was in a wealthy, I don't know, maybe the, the wealth private school. Yeah. I wonder if that secluded her a little bit.
2: She also just sounds like such a focused person, Mm -hmm. like just like really heads down, like getting her shit done. Like maybe she just, maybe she just kind of like put the blinders on about it and just kind of did her thing despite whatever. And I don't know.
1: Yeah, but it is, it's, it's a big thing that's kind of being talked about, and it's something that I, I faced pushback on in my screenplay about Robert Smalls, where I've showed it to a bunch of people, and there's like like experts on slavery and history and all this, and when they read it, they say, well, if he was a black man, he wouldn't have been permitted to do this. And then I'm like, well, in my research, I found that because he was light skinned, he actually was able to do it. He got he he was more privileged than the other slaves, mm-hmm. even though he was a slave. Mm-hmm. And it it makes it feel like this is maybe inaccurate, but it's actually true for him. Yeah. And only him. And it, mm. it feels like that, that's kind of the case here in that she she didn't really suffer the same way that other black people in the community did because she was in hospitals where people are all very smart and probably even better at hiding their prejudice if they even have it. Yeah. Which of course they did. Everyone does.
0: Yeah. Um, That's a good point. And also at at that, at the time, like if she's in, if she's in research, they're so maybe everyone it is, it becomes so insular, it becomes such a small community of, mm -hmm. of people working together. Um, But she's, she's incredible, and um, she lives a long full life. She dies at ninety three in New Jersey. Wow. and um, unfortunately, she started suffering from dementia at the end, but she's well remembered in the medical community, very respected and um, uh, and then once I now that I know her name, now if you Google her, you'll see her pop up everywhere. and um, you'll see the cute pictures of her. She looks like a very like she's a, she's someone who has a very kind face. That is that is our badass broad, Dr. Jane Cook-Wright. What do you guys think?
2: She is badass. She's so
1: awesome. So awesome. Sounds like she's n- nearly, she's a giant part of a- almost all the n- stuff we know about cancer today.
0: Yeah, and the thing that's frustrating when you ever, I don't know if you guys encountered this with broads who've done stuff that's in science or medicine research, but you start reading the specifics of what they've done, and you're like, oh God, how am I going to Wait, what the hell does this mean? You know, and you know it's so important. Right. But you're, but it's like scientific I words. sequence to what? Okay. Exactly. <laughs> oh,
2: she's amazing. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. What a great bride. Yeah.
0: I'm glad you guys enjoyed Dr. Jane C. C. Oh, wait. I said her name wrong. Dr. Jane Cook-Wright. <laughs> Jane Cook-Wright. Dr. Glad,
1: Jane,
0: Dr. Jane Cook-Wright.
1: Doctor yes, I doctor, apologize. Doctor Dr. Jane Cookwright. She earned that doctorate she at a time did. when it was
0: we extremely address, difficult. We better address her appropriately.
1: I put some respect <laughs> on that name.
0: I uh, wanna tell you guys that we love it when you listen, and if you want to support the show, the best thing you do is go on to iTunes and leave us a glowing review or tell a friend about the show, and you can always reach out to us on Instagram at broads you should know, or you can email us at broads you should know at gmail.com, and we'll be back next week to tell you all about another broad you should know.